At first, it was just one sheep per day. But as the deadly dragon grew more powerful, he demanded more and more. Soon it was the people of Silene themselves, so intense was his insatiable hunger, his desperate desire for more and more. Until, until one day a courageous knight named George agrees to confront the dragon. After a long and bloody battle, George finally defeats the cruel beast, saves the princess, and rescues the town. With what weapon did George slay the dragon? A spear? A lance? A sword? Maybe, just maybe, the dragon was slain by love. Welcome to Slain by Love, your weekly sermon podcast from the pulpit of St. George's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Y'all please be seated and good morning. What is your favorite fairy tale? What is your favorite fairy tale? I don't know if y'all remember a movie that came out a few years ago called Maleficent. Anyone remember Maleficent? What what an interesting film and, and how clever, what a good idea to take a minor character, right? A minor character out of a classic fairy tale story to take a minor character, not the main character, a little minor character and develop her, uh, tell her back story. How interesting. Um, Maleficent, AKA the bad fairy in the classic tale, Maleficent turns out not to be simply an evil villain, but actually she turns out to be a victim. The victim of an unspeakably horrible crime. That changes the way you fear you you feel the story, does it not? It changes the way you experience the story, the way you hear that story of sleeping beauty. Fairy tales. What is your favorite fairy tale? Y'all, today on this seventh Sunday after Pentecost, we come to Isaiah 55. We come to Isaiah chapter 55, and I want you to know this morning that Isaiah 55 is a lot like a fairy tale. I want y'all to think with me this morning, just for a few minutes, I want you to think with me about three images that pop up here in Isaiah 55, our Old Testament lesson this morning, three different images that uh, don't really happen in the real world. Three things that don't really happen in the real world, three things that are meant to whet our appetite for something more. First, the first image this morning is this arresting language. It's sort of near the end of the passage of mountains that sing and trees that clap. It's in verse 12 of Isaiah 55. It says that the mountains and hills shall burst into song. All the trees will clap their hands. You see, our story from the Old Testament this morning is actually telling us about an enchanted wood. Now, I don't, you know, there's not as many woods in Central Texas, in Austin, Texas, as there were where I came from 
a year ago, Tyler, Texas, the piney woods of East Texas. No, there's not as many forests and woods here as there are in East Texas, but there are some wonderful woods even here in Austin. I think of a beautiful grove of crepe myrtles right behind my backyard in Bartholomew Park. It's beautiful. I also think of the woods along a new bike trail that I recently discovered. It's called the Lower Walnut Creek Greenbelt. It's amazing. Just go east on 51st Street, go over 183, go behind the YMCA. If you go left, it goes all the way to Maynard. If you go right, it gets you very close to the airport, and it's beautiful. And there are thick woods on both sides of that trail. The woods here aren't as good as they are in East Texas, but they're pretty amazing nonetheless. And our Old Testament lesson this morning speaks of woods that are enchanted just like in the fairy tales. Now, y'all, what are we to make of this? How are you supposed to think about that? I can think of three options. I can think of three options. Option A, this is just a fairy tale. This is pure fantasy. This is a story just like any other. That's option A, all right? Option B, these trees that are clapping their hands, you know what this is? This is a picture of the future. This is a picture of the future in heaven. Option A, option B, here's option C. The biblical writer is trying to get us to see that actually in our everyday world, trees actually do clap their hands. Those are the three options that I see this morning. Mere fantasy, right? Future prediction, or the deep truth about the world that we actually live in. Mere fantasy, future prediction, or the deep truth of the world we actually live in. Which option is best? Well, haha, let's move on to the other two images and see if those help us. Because the second image this morning from this mysterious, beautiful passage in Isaiah 55, the second image, it's kind of in the middle of that big paragraph in your bulletin, the second image is a glorified you. Y-O-U. A glorified you. A glorified Josh. A glorified Suzette. A glorified Ada. A glorified Matt. The second image this morning is a glorified you. It is in verse 5. The Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, he has glorified you. Now, this is the second image, and this is where things get a little interesting, is it not? Because with this image, we are now dealing with the gospel message, the gospel message that Jesus is alluding to this morning in that weird parable about the word and the seed and the sower. Jesus is talking about the gospel message, and this image in Isaiah is saying that because of that gospel message, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, his death, his resurrection, his pouring the Holy Spirit into us, because of that, because of the gospel message, guess what? You are in the process of becoming glorious. When you think of something or someone that's glorious, what do you think of? What do you think of? It, that word glory, glorious, that's, it's such a dusty word. It's such a 
a weird word, a foreign word. It seems like it belongs in a bygone era, glory, glorious. But what if you were drinking a cup of coffee or having a drink with one of your friends and she starts telling you about a date she went on, he or she went on, let's just say she, a date that she went on with a new guy, let's just say a new guy, and she says, oh, he was just so glorious. He was just so glorious. What does that mean? It means that, that this friend, this new partner, this date, it means that he or she is awesome. It means that they are handsome, beautiful, smart, kind. It means that they can do no wrong. You see, they're glorious. Friends, this is what is being promised to you here in this Old Testament lesson that you are the one who is becoming glorious. And my question again is, what are we to make of this image? Do you believe this? Put it another way, is this mere fantasy option A? Is this mere fantasy? After all, trees don't really clap their hands, do they? Ah, that leads me, though, to the third image, the third image that comes from today's text, and it's at the top. It's at the top of that little paragraph in your bulletin. The third image, uh, the first few lines there in Isaiah in the passage this morning, this third image speaks of a meal. It speaks of a feast. It speaks of a great banquet, a feast, lavish food and wine. Now, y'all, I have been to some pretty fancy dinner parties in my day. I've been to fancy dinner parties in, in Washington, D.C. that literally had presidents and vice presidents there. I've been to some fancy dinner parties in Tyler, Texas at very upscale country clubs. But this dinner party here in Isaiah 55, this dinner party is for everybody. It's not exclusive. It is for everybody. At this dinner party in Isaiah's imagination, in Isaiah's vision, you don't have to be rich. You don't have to be in the inner circle. You don't have to be successful. You don't have to be put together. In fact, at this feast, you can have all the money in the world. You can have all the prestige in the world. And guess what? It will not do you one bit of good because the food and the drink at this feast are absolutely what? Free. The food and the drink at this party are absolutely free. Okay, let's ask the question again one more time. What are we supposed to do with this image, right? You remember the three options, mere fantasy, future prediction, or the deep truth about the world that we actually inhabit. Think about this meal that Isaiah is describing. Is it just fantasy? Is it simply relegated to the future in heaven someday? Or, or can you think of something in your everyday experience which sounds like this? Put it to you like this. Does this feast really happen? I mean, when it comes to those first two images, the clapping trees and the glorified self, and when we ask the question, do these things really happen, it's kind of hard, if you're honest, it's kind of hard to say yes. You know, 
I mean, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to believe in that first image. It's hard for me to believe that the trees in those woods as I'm riding my bike past on the trail, it's hard to believe that they are clapping their hands. But you know what? It's even harder for me to believe and embrace and accept that second image. If you're anything like me, sometimes it's utterly impossible for you to think that God sees you as glorious. When I'm full of guilt, when I'm full of shame, when I realize that I've made a big mess of something, the promises of the gospel look to me ridiculous. There's no way that that is true about me. There's no way I'm redeemed. There's no way I'm beautiful. There's no way, in, there's no way my life and my existence are drenched in the Holy Spirit like St. Paul describes this morning in Romans chapter 8. There's no way that I'm what Jesus says I am. If I'm honest, it seems like nothing more than a fairy tale. So you see, the first image, clapping hands and all that, pure fantasy, it all too often seems. The second image, a glorious Matt Bolter, surely here as well, it's pure fantasy. But the third image, the third image, this image of feasting where the food and the drink are free, where the rich and the poor gather together in love, pure fantasy? Nope. Dear friends, the great news this morning is that this feast, this feast is a historical reality. Read the book of Acts, how the members of Cornelius' household, impure, dirty Gentiles, were brought all the way into the Jewish feast. Read about how the slaves of Antioch, who were members at the church in Antioch, were brought all the way in and given a place at the head of the table, slaves at the head of the table. Read about St. Paul in the book of Galatians, passionately arguing against another apostle, insisting that the unwashed, formerly unclean, that those Gentiles must be welcomed where? Welcomed to the table. Welcomed to the feast. Or read about the letter of Diognetus, the letter of Diognetus, which I printed off this morning at the printer and then forgot to grab it because there's so many weird things going on today at St. George's. It's a good day. We'll hear more about that later. But read the letter of Diognetus, which I was able to pull up on my iPhone during the opening hymn, Don't Tell the Bishop. The letter to Diognetus, early second century, written from one Roman official to another. It gives a lengthy description of these odd, odd people in the first century, the, er, the early second century Roman Empire, these odd people known as Christians, the letter to Diognetus says this. It says, they exist in the flesh, but they do not live by the flesh. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws, all the while surpassing the laws by their lives. They love all people and are persecuted by all. They are unknown and condemned. They are put to death and restored to life. They are poor, 
yet make many rich. They lack everything, yet they overflow with everything. The main way these Christians express their love for one another, the main way that they express their love for the outsider and the stranger, a feast, a table where all are welcomed to the feast. It's a historical reality. It really happened. And as if that's not enough weight, it gets better because this feast continues today. This feast is something that happens every single day. Many of us in this room, perhaps all of us in this room, have tasted it, a new kind of community where you belong, not because you're beautiful, not because you're put together, not because you're rich, but because you belong to Jesus Christ. You see, this feast of Isaiah 55, this third image, guess what? It's real. It actually happens. I've experienced it. I experienced it at the Agape meal on Maundy Thursday when we went over to the right house and had that wonderful cheese and olives and wine. That was a taste of that feast. This is a feast that happens. And y'all, guess what? We will experience this feast in just a few moments at this altar. And if this image is true, guess what? If this image is true, maybe, just maybe, those trees along the bike path really are clapping their hands. And if this image is true, this image of this feast, if it's totally real, then maybe, just maybe, the promises of the gospel do apply to me. Maybe God really does see me as his promised child. Maybe I really am capable of moving mountains. Maybe I really am beautiful. Maybe, like it says in Isaiah 55, maybe I really am glorious. And if I am, guess what? You are too. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thanks for joining us at the pulpit of St. George's Austin, where the love of God in Christ slays our enemies, our fears, our guilt, our worries. How are they slain? Only by love. Special thanks to the good folks of St. George's and especially to that masterful media guru, Liam Dolan Henderson. See you next week. Peace and be well.